You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Pabst Blue Ribbon. Always smooth, always refreshing. Gold medal winner at the 2016 Great American Beer Festival. When you're this good, quality always comes through. PBR Me. ASAP. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. Hello, welcome to another episode of Matt and Judd's Hockey Adventure. Judd, how are you? I am outstanding. And how are you enjoying your postseason? Um, I'm still alive because... <laughs> unlike the Wild. Unlike the Wild, on a nightly basis, I can watch games and I can drive to the net. And once in a while, I can knock in a rebound. <laughs> how does that sound? Uh, that sounds great. So we've got two series to talk about. Uh, little surprising results in Ottawa and a predictably awesome series between the Ducks and the Predators. But first, I want to touch on a wild column that you posted at 1500ESPN.com. Yes, sir. The expansion lists are due fairly soon, in the middle of June, and you have made your protected list for the Minnesota Wild. For those not aware, Las Vegas is a hockey team now, and they get to do an expansion <laughs> draft. Yep. And there are rules to this game, as uh, was once said in what movie is that? There are rules, Smokey. This isn't Nam. What is that? The uh... you've got me on that one. Man. I probably should know. I'm not real good at, oh, uh, at the, this game. The Big Lebowski slap shot. Okay, the, the Big Lebowski, which I which I love, and I've long forgotten that yes. line. John Goodman. Um, oh, great stuff. So anyway. There are rules to these expansion things, and uh, you could take one player off of a team's non-protected list, mm-hmm. and you're allowed to protect different... Like, there are a couple options. You can protect a number of forwards. I believe it is seven forwards, three defensemen, and one goalie. This is correct. Or it is four forwards, four defensemen, and one goalie. Eight and one. So you, you oh. could protect any... You could either protect eight skaters... Oh, I see what you mean, yeah. Okay. And one goaltender or go seven or seven, forwards, three. three defensemen, one go- one goalie. And the Star Tribune this week reported that Chuck Fletcher's plan right now is to go 7-3-1, but that could change. Okay, so there are your rules, and you have made your expansion list. So I'm just going to go down your protected list okay. for the Wild, and then you can explain. Okay, sure. so for forwards, you have protected, and there's a great tool at capfriendly.com that you could play with. Did you use that for this? I did not. Uh, you should have. I it's did not. It's so use fun because uh, you can pr- do the protected list yourself. And I was doing it the other day. So you have for forwards Charlie Coyle, mm-hmm. Mikael Granlund, mm-hmm. Miko Koivu, mm-hmm. Nino Niederreiter, Zach Parisi, Jason Pominville, Jason Zucker. Uh, and let me just note that with Parisi and Pominville, they have to be protected because they have no move clause. And Koivu. Oh, and Koivu as well. All yes. no move clauses. No move clauses in their contracts. Those players have to be protected. Correct. So before people argue with you about Pominville or Parisi, okay? Right. Uh, defensemen, you have Brodeen, Suter, Spurgeon, mm-hmm. which means that Matt Dumba and Marco Scandella would be unprotected. Correct. And then for the goalie, Devin Dubnik. Yep. Okay, explain to me then Eric Stahl being left off of your list. Okay, um, first of all, the Wild is going to go to Pominville and uh, and attempt him to get 
him to waive his no move clause, explaining to him that no one is going to take him. Um, the Wild would love to trade him. I just went under the premise that let's say he says absolutely not. So if they do that, my feeling is this. If you go 7-3-1, the Vegas Golden Knights will not take Eric Stahl, who's going to be thir- 32, who's coming off a very nice season in the midst of a three-year contract. But a year ago... Uh, had a very mediocre to poor season with Carolina and the Rangers because my feeling is Vegas is going to take a defenseman. If you are presented with an opportunity to get good quick and to take young players and Scandella and Dumba are both exposed and each team is going to lose one player, my feeling is this. I'm willing to gamble that you won't, that you are not going to take stall because you're going to take Dumba probably, and if you do take Stahl, it hurts in the fact that I lose a guy who is my top center this past year, but you're also taking a guy who very well at the age of 33 in 2017-18, Matthew, could regress as well. Mm -hmm. So that's why. Ultimately, though, I think what the team is hoping to do is work out something with Pominville where he can be exposed and Stahl would be protected. I think what they will tell Pominville is we're either going to buy you out or you waive that no-move clause. But if you're Pominville, I think you want to be bought out because then you can be making money from two teams at once. And Double dipping. That's, right. uh, the Vinny LeCavalier is a good play. Vanek. Vanek, too, right? yes. He was making money from Minnesota, Detroit, and Florida by the end of last year. Uh-huh. And if you're Pominville, why wouldn't you want to do it that way? So they buy you out, they've got to pay you, and then you can just sign wherever you want as a free agent as opposed to a trade. Uh, if he were to waive the no-move clause, I think they would trade him and have to give someone else a draft pick for just like a nothing prospect or basically nothing left. So think about Pavel Datsuk being traded to Arizona mm-hmm. when he wasn't going to play, and they gave him the first-round pick, and they took Jacob Chikrin with it. I mean, that was an incredible move by Arizona to get a top defenseman prospect just to take away cap space. And also, what an incredibly dumb move by Detroit. Uh, a genius franchise, right? Yep. I say that in finger quotes. Oh, Kenny Holland, right? Yeah, not so much <laughs> anymore. Amazing how you're genius when you randomly get a sixth-round pick from Russia who becomes a megastar and you have the greatest defenseman of all time. They lived a charm life for a long time. They really did. But then once those players are gone, you're not so genius anymore. Anyway, as an aside from that. So I think they get out of the Pominville thing and just protect Stahl anyway. There might be a case for protecting Eric Howla instead of Stahl uh, because he's a younger player. And for the same reasons you mentioned that I think that they will take a defenseman. That's where the interesting conversation is for me, because even if they did take Stahl, I agree with you. That's a 32 year old player who's got a couple years left on the contract. It was really good this year. How much more can I expect from him over the next few years? And he's got a, just to be clear too, he has a limited no trade, which means he doesn't have to be protected. But I think the assumption is that Vegas would take him and spin him off, but his contract would transfer, Collar. Mm. So if that were to be the case, it's not like Vegas could take him and just shop him across across the league. The way I read his contract, he would still have, have – 
veto power on some teams. So it's not just simple as we took him and now we're trading him. Yeah. You would then be subject to the same stipulations that, that the Wild is if they try to trade him. Well, I guess that would make sense if they did trade him, if they took him and traded him, because they want to build a foundation here. I mean, I think that that team is not saying we're going to take old veteran players and try to win the Stanley Cup next year. That would be absurd, which, by the way, give them the number one overall pick. Well, you paid enough money to get in the league. Give them a top pick. But here, okay, or but guarantee them top okay, three. Okay, but here is where it's intriguing. In the short-sighted world, which God knows it can be, of this league, tell me this. This is the best, most favorable expansion process as far as claiming players ever. Mm-hmm. I believe when the Wild of Columbus came in, into the league in 2000, you could protect something like nine forwards at that time. So what you're saying makes sense, but do you think George McPhee will do that? Or is George McPhee going to look at a laundry list of available players and actually try and win immediately in a town, by the way, where the competition will be quick? Yeah. I mean, there's going to be there's a lot of reasons. There's a lot of things to do there besides go to hockey games. Well, I think being competitive is important, but getting players in their 30s who are past their prime is probably not a good play, even if you want to be competitive yeah, right I, away. I'm, I'm not saying I'm tank. with you on this. I'm not saying take all I'm bad players and yeah. get the number one overall pick next year, which is what you might do if you were actually rebuilding it as opposed to getting a bunch of guys with contracts. Um, but speaking of that, it, even if Stahl is available, and on my list was Matt Dumba and Marco Scandella. I'm easily taking Matt Dumba there with no question, no hesitation. Thank you for giving me a very uh, talented offensive defenseman who's, what, 23 years old now? Yes. I mean, <laughs> Prone to bad like, defensive mistakes that he might grow out of. Yes. That's uh, my big thing. I don't think that defensemen even hit their prime until like 25. Yes, I think you're right. I would protect Dumba over Brodeen for that reason. That I know that Brodeen is also young, but I think Brodeen is what he is. I don't think he's changing. I think he's going to be the exact same player for another decade, and that he'll be a likable NHL defenseman. But the high end on Matt Dumba, just a number for you, the Wild score more goals per 60 at even strength with Matt Dumba on the ice than any of their other defensemen since he came in the league. Hmm. That's with Mike Yo. that's with Bruce Boudreaux, they create more goals with him. So it's not that takes away just his individual scoring sure. and gives you an idea of what his actual impact is. Because for defensemen, the individual scoring, I think, is tough to pin down. Sure. So I would take his age and that ability, that offensive ability. I would also kind of peer my eyes over at Nashville and Anaheim and go, huh, well, they said the same thing about Sammy Votnin and Hampus Lindholm, and they said the same thing about P.K. Subban or Ryan Ellis or these great offensively-minded players that can be super valuable in today's game. Mm -hmm. I'm keeping him and probably trying to trade Marco Scandella would be my way of going about this. Okay, so would you try and, in your scenario, would you try and work out a trade with Vegas then to control who they take from you? I think if they would be willing to take that, yes. Like, okay. here's a fifth-round draft pick to make sure you take blank instead of now Scandella had else. a good Now, Scandella had a good playoff. Don't get me wrong here. But if I could manipulate it so they take him, I'd be thrilled. See, I th- my thought was that you should trade Scandella for something else, okay. somewhere else, like okay. Okay. with another gotcha. team who's desperate for uh, a defenseman. Mm-hmm. And maybe you get a first round 
pick, maybe not out of Scandella, second round pick or something like that, right. or another player that would already be protected. Because if I'm not mistaken, guys who are on their first deals are protected, right? So, like, uh, they're Jack Eichel or something is automatically protected. Uh, it depends. Yes, and and I saw this too. The stipulation I think is if you is it first and second year players are not eligible to be taken i believe yes so i would want to try to trade for someone else's prospect or yeah. if, if someone's never stepped on nhl ice sure. you can't take them either right you can't just take people out of people's prospects no, no, no. so what i would be thinking You're with right. scandela is let me get a hot a decent prospect from someone mm-hmm. and if you don't think that you could get a high-end prospect i direct you toward adam larson for taylor hall no, you're, yeah you're right he's not adam larson for no. the level of player like Larson was a fourth overall pick. Yep. But he's pretty good. And the people that I've talked to about Scandella give him a lot of respect. So that's a that's a big value piece if you were able to trade him for someone else. And defensemen are worth a lot. I mean that's that's true. So what you'd be leaving at that point, let's say you buy out Pominville and you trade Scandella. Okay. I think that leaves and you protect in my scenario you protect Dumba. So that means Brodeen probably gets taken by Las Vegas. In a heartbeat, I think. Yeah. Um, the rule is this. First and second year pros and unsigned draft choices are exempt from this draft process in the expansion draft. Vegas must then draft at least 14 forwards, nine defensemen, and three goaltenders and pick at least 20 players already under contract for the 2017-18 season. And each team will lose one player in the draft. So let's say that it's a guy in the uh, in the OHL, a top prospect in the OHL. You don't have to protect him at all because he's not assigned. Yeah, so this group player. of prospects coming along now are all all can't be taken from the right. wild so that's who you would want to get for yes. scandela yes so so my point my point in short is this i don't think unless it's zucker and i think the vegas team might take him based solely on the fact that he is the only nevada raised player in the league unless it's zucker i don't know that there is a forward the wild is going to expose who they're going to lose unless there's some type of prearranged trade by the Golden Knights, because I think the temptation with the wild defenseman is going to be too strong. I, so if you're right, it's Brodeen. I think he goes. If it's Dumba, I think he goes. So to get back to my point about Stahl, I think if you expose Stahl, I don't think that, that they take him. And Zucker's the only one that I think might get taken. And it's in some weird way, then I guess there would be an argument to be made that you would expose him. My thing is this. If you're the Wild and you're a start for goal scorers as they are, do you expose any any young player who you think can score twenty plus goals? No and way. I don't do that. Nope. That's why I that's why I protected him. Not a guy who's in his prime and can score. Zucker is but not you, a perfect player, but, but a final. Yeah. If he, I mean, in, in twenty five goal player. Yeah. In the NHL today, if you find a guy that can score goals, and and Hall, in my opinion, is not that guy. But Zucker is fast enough and has enough of a touch around the net that in today's NHL, I don't risk it because if you lose him, I don't know that you can replace him. I will also say this about Brodeen. I like his game last year. I did not like his game two years ago. His game two years ago was bad. I think he was much, much better under Bruce Boudreau. He put him in more situations to succeed. But a player with a limited offensive upside is replaceable. For a defenseman, he's very good defensively and he's a good skater, but 
he's not a dynamic defenseman like Dumba or any of those guys that I named before mm-hmm. that I think are really making teams defense cores now. Mm-hmm. That you can find somebody else to... Uh, basically, what he is is an anchor for somebody else who skates around and makes a lot of plays mm-hmm. is the way that I would project him on a Stanley Cup team. So he would be like an Oli Mata. Mata's not a majorly great offensive defenseman but he's kind of an anchor he transitions the puck yeah uh matthias atcomb does this for Dumba can take the puck and move yeah right exactly or uh nicholas jarmelson would do that for chicago big fan of him. he's yes. much better i think than brodine yes. at that job but the point just being that's your defensive anchor yeah. who allows somebody else to run around like crazy with the puck um and you i think you could find another one of those guys I think it's very hard to find a Dumba, but, so I would have Dumba. But you bring okay, but you bring up the interesting uh, factor that that you would get when Fletcher and Boudreaux and the scouting staff sit down for the Wild, which is this: if you're Boudreaux, you're trying to win right now. I mean, the pressure is on you to win games and potentially playoff series if that is possible. So, are you saying to yourself, well, Dumba every once in a while makes these really stupid bleep and plays? But the upside's big, or are you saying Brodeen is an anchor defenseman in, in a, a good way, an anchor for me that I like having, I know what I'm going to get. I think if you're the coach, you probably argue the Brodeen side, and that's where this gets intriguing because Dumba, listen, I'm saying that if Dumba develops, and he very well might, his offensive skill to me is so intriguing. That being said, we all saw in the playoffs, and we've all seen when he plays extended time period, he is prone to making stupid mistakes, which will make a guy like Boudreaux, if he had hair left, rip it out. (laughs) So I think there's an interesting dynamic there because this wild team is expected to win now. It's not building, and my guess is that the head coach would make a very uh, impassioned argument to keep a guy like Brodeen, who he sees as being a core guy with what he's doing right now. And I guess I would say back to him, Bruce, you don't have to look far, but to the Western Conference Finals to see why I want to keep or Western Conference. Yeah, Finals. Western, yeah, well, no, uh, we're in the Finals no, now. Yeah, some teams well, made it. No, but I was I, well. Western Conference Final is the proper way to say it in hockey. But either Conference Final Finals really. Uh, when you look at Pittsburgh and how their defense is made, they used to say the same stuff about Trevor Daly. Oh, he's offensive, but he makes mistakes. And yep. Justin Schultz, the same thing about Justin Schultz. And I think that Dumba's better defensively than Justin Schultz. In the right role, he can be hugely valuable. I don't know that Brodeen has the same value, though I think they're both quality NHL players. And I also don't think that Dumba is of the level of a Hampus Lindholm or Ryan Ellis or P.K. Subban. He is not of that level. Dumba, though, does bring, where, where I side with you in this conversation, is Dumba brings in a potential offensive element that this team lacks or would lack, and there's not a lot of guys like him. And Brodeen brings stability, but I agree, Brodeen is Brodeen. Like, there's not another gear here now. Right. If he's at his best, he's he can be really good and effective. Dumbo, though, has a certain appeal to him based on, on the unknown. The issue is, is he going to clean up the mistakes? The answer might be yes, the only thing that concerns you is there's mental lapses at times which drive you crazy, but you can always go back to the fact that he's still young, and by the time he's 25, those could be gone, and if they're gone, you're talking about a really good player. So there's a decision to be made here that's not going to be simple. Uh, the Western Conference final has been as good as we expected. Um, who do you think is going to win? After last night, the Ducks... I, 
hope Nashville wins. I'd like to see Nashville win. Real quick, though, on momentum and how funny the concept is. There's no such thing. How hilarious is it that you would have said, okay, Ducks are controlling that whole game. All the momentum goes to Nashville, and then the Ducks just win it in overtime. But how about how about Pittsburgh? I mean, Pittsburgh now in the last two series, right? Oh, Pittsburgh's got the momentum. Yep. They just won this game, and then they come out and get their drawers blown off in both the subsequent right. follow-ups. Uh, game six against Washington and, uh, what, game three against the Sens. Mm-hmm. Momentum in hockey is hilarious because momentum basically goes shift to shift. Forget, mm-hmm. forget game to game. Um, I am hoping in the Western Conference final – that Nashville wins. I would like to see Nashville win. I think Nashville and Pittsburgh would be a really fun final. Um, it's funny, Collar, because we the national focus now is, you know, the NBA playoffs. And granted, they're, they're not good. But the NBA playoffs, what can be done about? And fact of the matter is, and I'm not NBA guy, but I think every sports fan is looking forward to Warriors-Cavs, right? I'll watch it. If it's Senators-Ducks, I got to be honest. I love hockey. I might not be hardcore enough to watch that. I mean, I'll dip into it, but I don't know that Senators Ducks, I don't know that I would make plans to watch that consistently. So I'm really hoping for Penguins and Predators. I'm very close to having to apologize to the Senators. I'm not there yet, but I'm very close because they have made far more noise than I ever thought they would in the playoffs. As a regular season team, they were either the worst or second worst team, not just off standings, but off their statistics, everything that they did. Their leading scorer for forwards had 61 points. They didn't control play with the shot counter. They weren't a high-scoring team. They had great five-on-five save percentage from a very good goalie, but they weren't even one of the best when it came to total goals against. So you're looking at a team that didn't outscore their opponents at five-on-five, didn't control the play, Mm -hmm. got into the playoffs just barely with 98 points. Mm -hmm. There was nothing that indicated that they could be a Stanley Cup contender outside of the fact that they have the one thing that you and I talked about with the Wild and we've talked about throughout just team building and stuff is that true elite, and in this case, all-time great defenseman. They don't have the true number one center that's completely dominant. Turris is, was a top pick, but he hasn't become an elite but Eric offensive Car- forward. Eric Carlson's that good, and he's playing with, what, two broken bones in this foot. And also the Penguins are just so beat up. Yes. I mean, without Latang, that was already a huge task for them. I'll go down the list. But now Schultz is hurt, and Rust is hurt, and... It, who else am I missing? Hornquist is hurt. Yes. It's, it's like... Those three didn't play in game three, I believe. All that bad luck and all that good luck for Ottawa. It's just, it's been a stars have aligned. Daly got hurt too, right? Situation. Yeah. Daly has been out quite a bit. He got hurt. I think in the capital series. Yeah. Yes. And, um, and the senators also have pretty consistent goaltending, which is key. Yes. Uh, I don't know that I would, I mean, flurry in game three certainly struggled, but the entire team did. Um, Murray's now going to start game four. Uh, but I'm just I'm just telling you, as a fan of the sport, my worst fear is Senators and Ducks. Because a, based on the markets, no one's going to care. And and the incredible thing is the Ottawa Arena is built in I think it's Kanata, a suburb. It's so hard to get to that playoff games aren't consistently unless they're on the weekend. They aren't even selling out. Game three against Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. it didn't sell out. So yeah, this is Canada. This is during playing in Canada. I know. Um, but 
man, if you're if you're NBC Sports Network and you get those two teams, that's going to be real hard to draw interest in the Anaheim Ducks and the Ottawa Senators. Well, it's happened before. Ten years ago. And it wasn't a great and series. And it wasn't a great series. And exactly. I don't remember watching a single full game outside of when they raised the cup. Nash Now, Nashville intrigues me on several things. One, I think it's a fun team. Very. Subban's fantastic, but it's a fun team. Philip Forsberg is emerging. He's a superstar. Yes. I think he's an absolute superstar. The city is a great place. The fact that country stars are tripping o- over each other to <laughs> sing the anthem is cool. Yeah. Uh, tell the story. I saw you and uh, Chris Long of... Uh, Channel 5 downstairs, we're going back and forth on, on this. How did the Washington Capitals basically just give away Philip Forsberg? Okay, so he sent me a link. I didn't read the entire story, but I remember this from... But you probably followed at the time. I vaguely well, yeah, recall uh, it. No, I did, because a lot of people thought that Ryan Miller was going to get traded to Washington. We got to the trade deadline, right. and the trade, the, the trade deadline came up, and everyone said, okay, we're done. Everyone's done trading. And then there was some tweets, some reports, hold on, the Capitals have a deal. And so there were some things leaking out, like pay attention in Buffalo. There might be a big deal. Ovechkin could be traded here. There was all this conversation. This is how long ago? This four years ago? Uh, four or five years ago, yeah. Okay. And it turns out that every – well, they traded him for Martin Erat, Phil Forsberg, and we all went, what? Is this supposed to be your big deal, like a prospect of yours for uh, Martin Erat? Well, Erat did nothing. And he, I think, was out of the league maybe two years later. Philip Forsberg, there was a story that came out that all of their scouts in Washington all agreed that they should trade Philip Forsberg. And I saw him a year later in Milwaukee, or while well, I was in Rochester, New York, but playing against Milwaukee. For the Admirals, yeah. He was one of the most dominant AHL players I think I have ever seen, and he was probably 20 years old at that time. Wow. The two most dominant, I covered the AHL for three, four years in in, uh, Western New York. Uh Nikita Kucherov, Mike Hoffman, who plays for Ottawa, and Philip Forsberg. That was my list that year of guys like, watch out for these three guys because they're all incredible in the AHL. And... Now he's an all-around player. He's dominant. He's on the puck. He scores. He's everything. He's a magician with and the puck. What I can't figure out. Kent Niels. And he, you know, he's grinding too. He was battling with Kessler last night at times. And yep. What I can't figure out is what they saw to trade Philip Forsberg. And when you're talking about your uh, sadness ratings for which city has the most sadness, bad trades are a part of it too. For DC, they've got all these losing teams. Bad trades, that's got to be up at the top. Because can you imagine a team with Ovechkin and Philip Forsberg and Backstrom? Well, and you'd be, they, I think they would have a, a great transition now because Ovechkin is aging. And, I mean, he's, right. still, he's still very good, but he's definitely declining. Can you imagine if, like, Forsberg now, who's basically into his prime, it wouldn't be so hard to, be, to say to yourself, okay, Ovechkin's no longer the same player, but we've got Forsberg. Right. So... Uh, yeah, so isn't it amazing that this Nashville team is built on the back of trades? How often does that happen? Well, and it's built by former Capitals GM David Poyle, who's been there forever. In fact, David Poyle might have got to Nashville in year one when Leopold owned the team. Uh, but they have made some fantastic moves, and they've built a really fun team. And and they are a team, they are the definition of a team to me that's good for this sport because they struggled for quite a while, I think, to draw and things like that. But now that seems like a really fun franchise. 
and a, a successful franchise in a non-traditional hockey market, which is great. And that's what, you know what? I think it's great when teams like that succeed because if that sport's embraced, it's fun and it's fantastic. My biggest thing is how often this league tries to force feed that. Mm. In this case, it's genuine and is working. What I would like to see is that type of enthusiasm for the sport, finding ways to spread that to all of people who like the sport that Nashville right now for this playoff run. And I remember it when I was in college, I guess with the Sabres, when they sort of made their improbable run to the conference finals, that that set conference final, that's, I know that set out a roadmap for their organization to be really popular locally. It's just, how can you take this and make it into something that everyone feels this energy and excitement for the NHL because it's very much right now a hop on the bandwagon when your team's in the playoffs type of sport and almost nothing else from uh, eight, the rest of the eight months of the, the season. I think, I think it's partially because the league expanded way too much at one time. And instead of going into markets and saying, how can we cultivate these markets very carefully? They basically said, hey, one team in Florida is good. Let's have two teams in Florida or Arizona. You know what? Let's build an arena way out in the suburbs where people who live on one side of Phoenix are never going to go. Nashville seems like it's been they've done a really good job of, okay, it's a downtown arena. It doesn't have a lot of sports. It's got the Titans, right? But, I mean, you don't have an NBA team. They did a very good job there. You would like to see more attention paid. Instead of just saying, $500 million from Vegas? Hell yeah, we're going to Vegas. You you really would have liked to see in the States, and especially the Southern expansion, be very carefully done. And instead, it seemed like you get a franchise, and you get a (laughs) franchise. The Oprah Winfrey meme. Now give us your money, and... That's the problem. Hey, I got a, a, a Buffalo Sabre question for a guy who's oh. very familiar with that franchise. Speaking of the Nashville Predators, is Phil Housley, South St. Paul native and one of the mm. great American-born players of all time and a former great with the Sabres who was so good that in his young days with the Sabres, he was labeled the next one and could play defense or center. Is Phil Housley going to be the next Sabres coach? I think that he should be. Um, he has done an incredible job with that defense. And I don't know if it entirely comes from Peter Laviolette or if he's played a huge role in that too, but he's very 2017 with his approach to the defenseman. Mm-hmm. And the Sabres over the last couple of years, since they drafted Jack Eichel, have not been. I mean, they've gone Which means out, what? Well, they've they've picked up guys like... Zach Bogosian and Dmitry Kulikov, who maybe 10, 15 years ago you would have really loved because they were gigantic and physical. Mm-hmm. But now it's a skater's game. And those guys, well, they're, they're decent skaters, but it's playmakers, stick handlers, guys who could pass and, and drive the puck up ice through the neutral zone. Why Dumba could be, why, why you don't, yes. don't want to just give up on a guy like that. And That makes sense. Phil Housley, if you're just naming off guys who have played a major role in that transition in the NHL to how defensemen are looked at, his name deserves to be right up there. And that trade for bringing in P.K. Subban was franchise-changing because it allowed them to play that way instead of having an anchor like Shea Weber, mm-hmm. who is still a great defenseman and a great power play scorer, and I'd want him on my team because he's physical and scary in front of the net. But Jared Spurgeons are the future, 
and uh, Ryan Ellis's are the future, and Sammy Votnin's and Hampus Lindholm's. And that's and what Phil. And that's, that's what Phil was thirty plus years ago. Yeah, exactly. So that's it fits. It fits his mentality. Now, I the, there is a report that Rick Tockett is more than likely going to be the coach. So okay. I don't know, but Phil Housley deserves his chance. I mean, he has been on good coaching staffs now for how long? And wouldn't Buffalo be the ideal place? I Absolutely. Mean, he, he's still. I, I would take it. He's still beloved there, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because, I mean, yep. he was a great player. He's and- thought of as one of the best, yeah. I mean, you know this from Paul Molitor's situation, that you get yourself in a little tricky area when you hire a legend. But Housley isn't Dominic Hashik. Like, he's a former Sabre, but it doesn't look like a clown show. Like, oh, we're, and I'm not saying that about Molitor, because he earned his stripes to be a manager. Sure. But sometimes when you hire a legend, you have this feeling of, like, Oh man, it's just they're they're just doing this for PR sure, but or whatever. Phil's else. been a coach too. Yeah, and that's I mean exactly. He, yes, he's go, he's going through the ranks to get there. I mean, it's not like but you, he's at home and they're going to say, "Hey, welcome back, Phil Housley." Yeah. And while we're at it, Gilbert Pro. But you right, you can put yourself in a tough spot too because if you have to fire that guy, it doesn't work sure. out, and then you. But uh, from his standpoint, he's been so successful as a coach. I think he deserves that opportunity. He is, uh, if I'm not mistaken, too, Bowman drafted him. The year he took him, he took him out of South St. Paul High School. And I want to say it was something like in the top five, like fourth. And people were like, what are you doing, Scotty? Oh, yeah. He's a high school kid. And this is in an era where that was unheard of. Scotty took him. I think he was committed to play for the Gophers. He bypassed that. And I remember going to see him against the North Stars at the Met back in the day. And that kid could skate. I mean, he was he was a guy who would fit into the game today easily in a generation where, you know, you had guys who had preceded him like Bobby Orr. But but to your point, for the most part, you're talking about big laboring, big defensemen who didn't wear helmets and could sort of skate backwards and tried to beat you up. So that just intrigues me, though, that uh, that it would seem like that would be an ideal fit. And it probably couldn't hurt a franchise where I would take it. There's got to be some interest. Waning as uh, as uh, Dan Bilesma craps out. Uh, one last question about them too f- for you: Is Eichel a decent kid, or is Eichel sort of a manipulative type? Because I find I found his comments coming off the end of the year very intriguing. I think what Eichel is from interviewing him a number of times and being around him a little bit uh, is immature. Okay, um, and I don't mean that as in he's going to always stay immature. I just mean when you compare him with Connor McDavid, from the time Connor McDavid was 14 years old, he was the next hockey legend. And I think he sort of tailored his approach to media, to fans, to fame Uh from a very young age. This is how you act in the NHL when you're going to be famous. Hmm? I think Jack Eichel is a little different than that, and he's just sort of coming to understand that everything he says and does has a ripple effect and he'll be fine from there. But when you talk to McDavid, he is very calm. He's not going to give you anything to real. I mean, in a, in a Crosby like way, he's been trained. It's like he took the book right from Crosby and yep. I know exactly what you're talking about. And I have a great amount of respect for that. Sure. um, Because I think that McDavid is just ultimately professional and mature and grown up. And I don't think that Eichel quite is that yet. Mm -hmm. And I also think the amount of pressure that was put on Jack Eichel to save a franchise was a lot for him. And that can go both ways for a kid. It certainly can. And he performed. 
I mean, he performed. Tough he's thing. a point-a-game player. When he, he got hurt early, sure. and then when he came back, he's a point-per-game player. So he's a fantastic guy. From a leadership standpoint, I don't think he's ready to be their captain, like I would say about McDavid. But they have Ryan O'Reilly there. I also think that the Sabres fans put their expectations on Eichel that he would be just as good as McDavid. I saw them both coming up. It's not fair. I saw them both uh, in junior, or I saw Eichel in a prospects tournament and then watched him on TV too. And then I, I saw um, uh, McDavid several times in juniors and then in like the all junior game. It, it's a different level of player. Sure. This is a star player, a Jason Spezzo or a Claude Giroux or whatever, you know, for uh, the Sabres. This is a Mario Lemieux But they got linked player. together in a draft, and once yes. that happens, you're in trouble. I yes. mean, you're going to be linked forever. It's, un- it's unfair, I think. Okay. Where the Sabres might have their Tyler Sagan, which is great, yep. but it's not a Sidney Crosby or it's not a Wayne Gretzky like yep. McDavid is. So I think he's still learning to deal with that pressure. I would not jump to say, no, he's a jerk or whatever else. I also think that knowing the background of the story that came out that he was trying to get Bilesma fired, I know that he and Bilesma did not get along, but I also think it painted him unfairly. Like that story, it sounded like he was saying he was never going to stay with the Sabres unless they fired him. It makes him sound like a coach killer. And I just, from what I know, I don't look at that as a fair completely fair representation okay i just put it that way okay so that's a lot to say about eichel but i i mean i really love him as a player Mm -hmm. and i think the sabers will be back in the playoffs they finally got rid of an incompetent general manager and they got one in jason fleshy's buddy yeah chuck and chuck and tim murray were buddies well tim murray is probably a decent scout but he was not a good general manager and Ah, i think new world but but this is the new world of sports that you're talking about and it's true in baseball too you know Terry Ryan was a very good GM for a long time, but somewhere along the way, this, these, all these sports too have in their own different ways evolved a lot. And the old thing of so-and-so is a good scout and therefore they just move up yep. is really going by the wayside. Doesn't mean that they're not very valuable in their role, but the whole thing of, well, this guy's been around forever and he's a cigar chewing GM now. It does not necessarily work anymore. I, I, f- I find that to be a, I find that to be a very interesting evolution of sport. I think it's economics that Jason Bottrell has an MBA in economics or something like that. I remember him playing for Michigan, by the way. That's how old I am. Yeah, he's got a degree in economics, and I think that that's what you really need to understand is specific player value and And understand where the league is at. GM down Buffalo. So when Buffalo trades a first-round pick for a goalie, you're just out of your freaking mind. I mean, really, you're just insane. You'd be nuts. Goalies are everywhere. I opened the door here and ran into three viable goalies outside. Like, they're just everywhere. Isn't so, it funny that goaltending is – so goaltend, There's no, no one doubts the importance of that spot, right? Oh, yeah, it's huge. Here's what's so funny about it, though. Like, you think to yourself, okay, you got to have, for sustained success, playoff success, you got to have a goaltender who gets hot and is a good player. But then, to your point – if you look at quarterbacks, you know, got to have a quarterback. And then you look at how many teams just continue to take first-round pick uh, attempts on quarterbacks. And then you look at the history of goaltenders dra- of drafts. I think the last time a goaltender was drafted number one overall, I, I looked this up a month ago. It was like, it might have been Gary Price. I mean, so yeah. it's so funny how you go about I think he was, f- was he fifth overall? And 
Or oh, I'm sorry, Flurry. no, it was Flurry. Flurry, was it was Flurry one. who was the topic. But my but point Kari is, Lettinen was first overall. But my, What's point he is, been? but my point is, it's so funny how we think of you know pitching, goaltending, and quarterbacks, for instance, and yet you're right. Goaltenders are. I'll sign one here, or I'll get one there. Yep. But yet, if you don't have a good one, you're in huge trouble. Well, you have to separate the value of those saves in in what it translates into goals versus how hard it is to predict and how many guys there are that can do it. Mm -hmm. So it's very difficult to predict whether someone will become a great goalie. So when they trade a first-round pick for an unproven goalie, you go, uh, why? And he wasn't bad, but it didn't get him to the playoffs, and you are short a first-round pick when you're rebuilding. I don't think Jason Bottrell will make those types of mistakes. Do you think that, and and the Wild does have a, a decent um, crew of prospects coming up, including about three or four guys that played in the uh, World Juniors. Do you think that what Fletcher has done as far as trading draft picks is going to come back and bite him? I mean, the, the, Hansel, the Hansel trade cost um, the first-round pick this year, I believe, and the second-round pick next year. But if you look at it, Fletcher has dealt a lot of picks. Is that, in your mind, going to come back and bite these guys? Um, well, first of all, I would defend the Hansel trade mm -hmm. all day long. I thought this was your chance. And what we're seeing is two teams that – the Wild were just as good as during the regular season and probably could have competed with in a playoff series. Uh, I think Nashville is a little bit better than Anaheim, but neither one of these teams, if you were just to go before this playoff started and we analyzed them both, uh -huh. you wouldn't have said about either one, oh, they have no chance against those teams. So when Connor McDavid is 23, 24, and he's in his prime and he looks like Wayne Gretzky, you would say, all right, we're, we're not going to have any chance against that guy. So go for it now. It was the right time. Uh, what was the question? Oh, I'm, I'm just <laughs> saying, t talking about trading draft picks. Oh, yeah, you, trading draft picks. Do you picks, think yeah. this is going to come back and bite him in, in the ass now because they are right, trade? Right, right. They have traded away through the years quite a few draft picks. Uh, but they do have some prospects, so it's not like they're barren. I think it's a really tough outlook for this team long term that it, what is unfortunate is you're really on a path to be in eighth place for – the next three, four years until Parisi is done until Suter now is he's going to be okay, but he's not going to be Ryan Suter at 28 anymore. Uh, he was good this year. This might be the last year. He's really a great, true, great defenseman or another year or two. We've seen Duncan Keith still be great into his thirties, but um, so maybe he's good till he's 35. Right. But where are you getting the franchise players is still my question with the wild you could only get them through the draft, but you usually only get them through top draft picks. And they're not going to do that. So you might as well, the Rangers have done this too to stay competitive. You might as well in your window just trade those first round picks if they're going to be late picks. Yep. And then when you're finally done with your window, you sell it all off. You go to the bottom, you draft Crosby, and you never apologize to anybody. Yeah, but Leopold, Craig Leopold came out and told reporters again this week that he never has any interest in tearing her all down. Well, we'll see. We'll see when they actually Mediocrity get always might we, reign. We will see but, when they but, actually by the get way, but that's years down the road. Real that's quick, not going to happen soon. No more no-move clauses. Please. I agree. No more. This no-move clause, giving them out, is ridiculous. Drives me crazy. Yeah, it, it, it hamstrings you. And that's no one likes to be hamstrung. That's all I got for you. That's your lesson for today. And it's conference final, not finals. All right. We'll catch you next time. Final. Finally. 
Pabst Blue Ribbon is always smooth, always refreshing, and the perfect choice at the game or out with friends. And now, add gold to the great PBR tradition, because Pabst Blue Ribbon was awarded the gold medal for American-style lager at the 2016 Great American Beer Festival. That makes four gold medals for PBR in the last 11 years. Not bad. It's that gold medal taste that has made Pabst Blue Ribbon the Twin Cities' favorite. When you're this good, quality always comes through. Go for the gold. PBR me ASAP. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Bakers, fresh for everyone. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.